Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a lovely, beautiful, fantastic first-time guest to the show, Miss Lori Huffman. Um, she was suggested to me by a good friend whose show she's already been on. And so her and I have actually had chit chats before, and I thought she would be a perfect person, uh, for our show. So welcome, Miss Lori. How are you doing, my dear? Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited. I'm I'm super excited to get into this topic today. Um, everybody that listens to the show knows that I love uh, like health stories and uh, means of improvement outside the, uh, what do you call it? The circular medical system that we live in, right? right. Um, so you've had a very interesting journey. So tell people a little bit about you and about your background. Okay. Well, um, my background, I guess I grew up in uh, Michigan, kind of rural farmland atmosphere, grew up next to my grandparents and everyone on that road kind of was very down to earth people. We rode horses. It was kind of our, our thing. And um, Did I you always... ride snowmobiles to school when it snowed? <laughs> no, but we did. <laughs> but we did have chains on the tire. And I recall distinctly the bumper pushing snow. That's how deep it would get. So right. And you know, eating a lot off the land, we had massive gardens that we shared and pretty much everyone on our road was, um, you know, we just kind of lived very simple rural life. And that was just kind of the norm. Um, I felt like I was very outside of normal. I like looked forward to school because it was social and we'd had long distance phone mm -hmm. calls. And so just very simple life. And, right. um, and I kind of was always um, interested in more health and wellness. Like I remember when, you know, we get together with cousins or friends, you'd play like school or whatever. And I would pretend that I had a fitness <laughs> how nerdy is that right I think I had like a strawberry shortcake exercise video record it was like a, a record and so it kind of was always my thing but not something I like desired you know I didn't grow up saying like oh I want to be a doctor oh I want to be a nurse it was just something I thought was fascinating and the human body's fascinating you were thinking outside the box at a young age yeah I how guess about I did. that yeah, and then I didn't see that or realize that till you know in my forties. But, <laughs> um, but that was always just something. And end up going to school. Actually, when I started um, my undergrad degree, I was biology pre med, and so that was something I knew I wanted to get into. Um, again, anything human body, anatomy, physiology, always fascinated me. And I used to think like, how can someone just think this happened by accident? But you know, whatever. And uh, but decided to go a different path. I went into kinesiology, um, didn't finish. Explain to people what kinesiology is in case they don't know. Okay. Kinesiology is basically the study of human movement. And um, because I decided I didn't want to go to school for 12 years, um, they had the school I attended had a really well-known program for kinesiology. And you could go in different past you could go into um and you had to do an internship a thousand hours in different areas so I did an internship in at a cardiac rehab facility until mm -hmm. at a hospital in Toledo um I got to work with a geriatric population 
I worked with um, children in a psychiatric um, internship, um, orthopedic, and I'm trying to think of the other areas. But um, so it kind of gave it was nice because you finished your degree. But that last year was like a rotation of different fields that mm -hmm. um, RKT, it's a registered kinesiotherapist. And I still have my registration today. I've held on to it all these years. Um, mostly because I, when I took that exam, I thought I never want to do this well, exactly <laughs> ever. <laughs> I will pay whatever just to avoid having to redo that. And, there uh, is no price worth having to retake it ever. And, so, what, um, real quick, what was your, what was your favorite rotation that you did? Well, um, I thought the cardiac unit was super cool. For one, mm -hmm. you know, we, I felt like it kind of reminded me of like a Star Trek deck, you know, had right. and ergometers. Yeah. Where you, and they had um, bikes, bikes and treadmills and all kinds of exercise equipment. And basically as people, after they have a, um, you know, any kind of heart issues or a heart attack or heart surgery, they go through those phases. Well, it's like the last phase before they graduate. Mm -hmm. And so at the time we had to go put leads on all the patients that would come in. And then we had this big um, display of all the heart monitors and all the EKG readings. They would come mm -hmm. out in paper strips. Like I'm sure it's all electronic now, right. but there were strips and we would, we would look at them. We would tape them in their chart, but also we'd have to go out and take blood pressure um, while they were exercising. And I, I distinctly remember I was horrified because that for, you know, it's so, difficult because they're walking on a loud treadmill and you're trying to take a blood pressure like old school stuff. right <laughs> while they're walking and all you hear is boom 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 and I'm thinking there is no way <laughs> and they just kept saying just be patient it comes like you just got to keep listening mm -hmm. and, and literally one day all of a sudden you like you hear it and it's like the most like yes I feel so empowered that I can <laughs> accomplishment right right <laughs> So that was really cool to me, even though I just didn't decide to go into that particular field. Um, I actually, my last rotation was in geriatric at a rehab facility. It was subacute mm -hmm. and chronic and they had multiple places, really high end. It was super nice um, in the Toledo, Ohio area. And they had an opening. So I pretty much graduated and went right into that, you know, mm -hmm. and it wasn't my favorite but now as I get older, I feel like I'm a little bit more drawn back to that population mm -hmm. because they're just, you know, geriatric, they are so wise in years right. and understanding. And so now I find myself drawn back to that a little bit, maybe one day, um, just to learn from people and have great conversations. I still have conversations with, um, I remember, uh, amazing people that you know when they pass away it was it it is kind of true it happens in threes mm -hmm. and uh and i end up going into a different field after that and that's when the ergonomics um kind of came uh it was my um you know someone talked about ergonomics and they said i think this is something you may be interested in and that's what kind of got me started in my long-term career path after and that. What is what is ergonomics for people? So ergonomics is the study of um, work, um, how people work and how their body applies to it. Mm -hmm. um, I was working in you know therapy and I wasn't making very much. Right. And when this came up, it was a very specialized field. So you work like in the engineering field and it was for a consultant company um, with Ford Motor Company in Dearborn. And when I looked into it, I was like, 
well, I kind of know this. I know all this information. I just have to learn the tools that they use to measure. Mm-hmm. And little did I know until later, years later, that some of the best, like, even now renowned tools that people use and go to, it was at the very beginning of it. And University of Michigan had just launched their very first tool and they had a training and it was in Michigan. So I traveled, stayed with a cousin. It was kind of far away and took this three day course. And I was like, yeah, I could do this. It's a little bit, it's like coming at it a different way. And so that's kind of what got me started and really started my career just mostly in manufacturing, which I liked. I'm not you know, I liked being one of few, it was a very man dominated field Mm -hmm. at the time, but I really liked it because it was a lot of problem solving and strategic thinking and right. Critical thinking skills. Yeah. Yeah. I got to travel (laughs) the world. I mean, it was back in the good old days. I I call it where they, you know, we were just spoiled, you know, company jet, you know, flying to different plants. And Mm -hmm. so just something I never dreamed I would have the opportunity to do. And I was like, is this really my job? You know, <laughs> it was hard, but I loved it. And, uh, and it was so different, but I find myself, I kind of go back and forth over the years. Like, you know, I'll, I'll do that for a while. And then when I really kind of start to master things, I almost find that my brain tends to get, and this is terrible. Bored. Gets a little bored. And then I'm right. like, Oh, I kind of want to go that, you know, it just, I'm always like looking for that next challenge to challenge my brain and mm-hmm. my time and everything. So, so how, um, how did you like doing like the rehab on the elderly patients? Was it, was there ever a time where you're like, Oh, I just can't do this. Cause, um, emotionally it's draining. Yes, it was. And I enjoyed it. I mostly enjoyed just the time with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, it became frustrating because there was usually very you would improve, but you just know that most of them were in the later stages in life. And at the time I couldn't, I wasn't appreciating the time and what I was giving them. And actually they were giving more to me at the time. Now, looking Mm -hmm. back, I learned so much more and just have better perspective on life because of those conversations. So I think that was, you know, it got to be more difficult and it was a facility was open all the time. So, right. I know know what that's like. (laughs) Yeah, there's there's no there's no taking Christmas off. They're there on the clock. So you know, at the time I was still you know young. I was newly married. I was ready to you know make big money. It was all about you know I want to I want to do really well and have this cool career. And I felt like at the time it felt kind of like I was still in school because I had been doing that in school and then I was making money, but. Um, so again, that first kind of thing that came along that was like, oh, I could do this. And this is a big challenge. I left and then ended up working in Dearborn, Michigan, which I kind of lived in the middle. So it wasn't like I had to move or anything, but Mm -hmm. I just changed fields. But, um, but I, I did enjoy the time and just the pace, because once you are working with that one patient, it was, you're just really focused on the person. Mm -hmm. And um, sometimes it didn't require a lot of improvement on their part because they just enjoyed it. You being there and I enjoyed being with them. So, you know, perspectives change as we get older, right? (laughs) Yeah. And that's one of my favorite things when I was doing nursing was the elderly population because they have the most beautiful stories to tell and they have such amazing knowledge about things. And I always enjoyed that. And sometimes like, 
I would get so carried away, like having conversations with somebody because it was so like in depth that they're like, uh, Janet, you have other patients you're supposed to go see. Yes. And I'm like, but I love talking to them. It was, it was always one of my favorite things. So how different was it um, work-wise, like going from, you know, like the kinesiology part into the ergonomics, like very different world. So oh, like, yeah. how, how was that transitioning in between the two? It was, it was very different. Um, initially it was, you know, learning a lot of new terms, a lot of new acronyms. Um, I worked for several different companies doing in different capacities. So I learned to do, you know, Gantt charts and, and facility layouts and things like that. And it, it's, <laughs> yeah, it sounds very techy, but a lot of times, you know, engineers tend to have Mm-hmm. that type of thinking, but it's, it's difficult. They just kind of build it and then they stick the human in there and expect them to go. And so right. my job was to basically early on, um, that first thing was training them. They would Engineers would come to the facility where I was consulting and we would train them on attributes of, you know, where to place stock. And if you reach too high, you know, their strength capability decreases, like mm-hmm. learning how the human fits in here. And if they make it designed for the human, um, DFE designed for engine, engine or you know for humans, designing for humans, their work is more efficient and they can go longer. And then obviously big companies know that now. If you have high injury rates, you probably have low quality and low productivity. Mm-hmm. If you make it where it works well for the human, it's a win-win. And they always view it like it's too expensive to do this or put these in or put this equipment in, but it's actually they. Um, it's in the long run, they're saving money, tons of money. Yes, that's exactly right. So getting that, it took me a while to even learn and understand that and looking through data, it was a lot of engineering tools I had to learn. So it was a very different switch, but you know, may, you know, maybe my ego played a lot of part part of it back then. You know, I felt like I was all that in a bag of chips getting to take, you know, corporate debt. You still are. (laughs) Well, no, you just realize now it's like, no, that's just normal. They just want, they just want you to be efficient. So they have, they set up things to be very efficient. And I loved it. I got to, I mean, I literally got to see so many countries and travel around and it was just, it was really enjoyable for that season. What was your favorite place that you ever went to? Oh goodness. Um, Well, England was fun. Scotland was awesome. Um, my most, I think the biggest surprise was I got to travel. I was going over there for work. And at the time, my um, ex-husband, but my husband at the time was going through an accelerated master's program. And so we got to go to Poland. Mm-hmm. What a cool country that was. That was my favorite. And it was a surprise because I wasn't expecting it. So Poland was amazing. Um, just, you know, so many places. I'm thankful to have got to see them when I did. Right. But Poland was the biggest surprise, I think. <laughs> How did you enjoy eating the foods from all over the place? It was very different, very different. <laughs> and and even then, I think even things have now exacerbated quite a bit in the U.S. in terms of our health position. But <laughs> understatement. Time, yeah, right. It, but at the time, I remember I was fascinated because these 
these Polish women were just stunning. They were super fit. These moms were pushing these strollers around and they, everything was deep fried. Like it was like deep fried turkey. And I'm thinking, how are they eating all this type of food and still saying fit? And now that I know that I know mm-hmm. it's more about what we process and what we've done to jack up our food. Right. It wasn't so much, um, it was just the quality was better, but it just, I was shocked um, because, you know, there's stereotypes for every country and that was not the, what I expected. And I got to have amazing conversations with um, people my age where it was like this underground, it was, it was a bar. It was like a, a massive club at the time, but it was an underground World War II bunker. Oh, and wow. You kept, you kept going down and going down and it was just like this massive space. And then there was these little stairs that you kind of leave. You could sit outside in a fenced in area. And I remember sitting talking to all these um, these Polish uh, uh, students and they were just fascinated to talk to people from the U.S. And we were fascinated to be there. And it was just, you know, it was just a really cool experience. So I, I wouldn't go back and I really wouldn't change anything. Um <laughs> Because it's given me that perspective. So right. And I, I would love doing something like that. Like I've never like been a world traveler or anything like that. But I would love to do that even just to experience like the cultures and the food and yes. Stuff. That would be a thing. So what are you doing now? And well, how did you get into it? Okay, so wow, this is a loaded question. So it may take me a minute. Um, last year, when I went, and we may go down that path in a little bit. Um, I had this this sense, kind of like I was kind of getting backed into a corner, and I really just got the sense like I've been deceived, along with many other people, mm-hmm. and um, started to feel kind of this this panicky feeling of where am I going to, where am I going to take my children for their health care? What mm-hmm. am I going to do for my own health care and for my husband's health care? And it was just this sense of, I had a hard time trusting a lot of things anyway, from the past few years of understanding what's in our food and our environment and our water and all those things. And I really just had that sense of backing up and I realized, like, wow, okay, I'm capable. I just need to take the focus. And I just, I felt like, I really just felt like the Lord said, you do it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> like, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't, right. I don't want to. And, and the more I thought about it, I'm like, well, I really don't want to go to go back to school because I know there, that's not always the best way to go at this mm-hmm. point either. So I decided to look into something I had been interested in for a long time was basically holistic, functional medicine, integrative medicine. There's a lot of different terms and a little bit of variation with those. Mm-hmm. And, and I had just kind of dug into, you know, everything can be online now, which really opens up the opportunity to do things right. and learn things. And so I looked into a few companies and really kind of researched and compared and did some differences and decided to go back to into functional medicine, um, functional nutrition, but it's kind of part of the functional medicine umbrella. Mm-hmm. And so I am finishing year one. They have what they call a victory lap. I can certify right now, but they allow you to go back and redo um, and have access for a year to that schooling another year. Um, I also still have my my MLM business that I started seven years now, seven years ago. And that's kind of really what woke me up to a lot of things with my daughter and her health journey. 
So I still still do that, but not to the capacity that I was. And also have now really kind of actively seeking out companies that are super clean, super, um, you know, just fill a niche or a hole that we have in our nutrition and trying mm -hmm. those out, vetting those out and partnering with some of them. Some of them, I just use them and love them and share them. Um, so I'm kind of doing all that. And then during COVID, I got totally stir crazy. Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> and and I, know, I know, right? <laughs> so on top of doing all that, I end up picking up a job at the YMCA. Literally, I'm working the membership desk, just greeting people. When we were shut down, the YMCA here locally stayed open. And years ago, when my son was a baby, I worked as the health, the health living director back then. And so I knew the director here and I thought, well, if they have an opening, even if it's just four to eight hours a week, I'm just going to go to get out of my right. cube and went back thinking it would be just a few months. And I've been working literally four hours, maybe eight hours for about three years now. So between the schooling, um, the Arbonne, the, the um, you know, other, com other companies that I'm now partnering up with, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've dug in, just really dug into my faith more and really just, I'm always searching to learn more. So all those things are kind of piled on right now mm -hmm. and I'm loving it though. And also my goal was really just to be able to be home. I, you know, both my kids are teens now and being present for them and they're homeschooled. So I, I say that loosely, they have real teachers, but they go to, they go to class two days a week. Actually, it's one day depending on the class. So they go to teaching, but I'm home with them. And <clears throat> as much as I have, this, oh, hold on a second. <clears throat> I catch in my throat. <clears throat> as much as I have a desire many times to go back to work full time, I'm just like in the season, I know I just need to hold the ground and, mm -hmm. and be here for them. And uh, at least until both of them drive or till they both graduate. So that's the hardest part for me because I'm always wanting to go. I see something, I'm like, Oh, I think I want to do that. I'm like, no, I need to stay home for my kids. It is my biggest calling. It's my most challenging calling, but it's my biggest one. Mm -hmm. So it's just been hard for me because I tend to want to run and go learn something else. So I'm, I'm dabbling in all those things, loving all those spaces really. And um, so, so explain to people what is functional nutrition? Okay. So functional nutrition and you've heard of functional medicine and it's really the understanding of the root causes mm -hmm. um, to ailments and to symptoms and disease and things that we have. And it's really that multi-faceted approach. Mm -hmm. um, it's now specifically the one I'm in where we learn from the nutrition aspect, we are learning other things, but you can fix a lot just by fixing your food, what you eat and drink. Um, right. There's many attributes to what we bring into our body, but of all the systems, and that's what I loved this layout, is every month learning each system. Our digestive system is the only other system that touches all other systems. Right. Most of them are intertwined, but that's the one that we impact the most because mm -hmm. every time you even put something in your mouth, the whole process from top to bottom, from opening to opening, something has to happen from a chemical standpoint. Mm -hmm. And that to me is fascinating. And it's our biggest impact. Like if you want to unmuddy the waters, if you have autoimmune or you have cancer, or you have, you know, dementia, that is the first most biggest, 
the, the biggest impact you can have is just by changing what you consume. Mm-hmm. And that to me, I felt like is impactful. Mm-hmm. And it's something I could do just in a few minutes conversation. If someone's truly seeking and they're wanting change, um, answers are out there. And there's a lot of treatment options other than mm-hmm. what we hear of in mainstream. And uh, that gets me excited. That's kind of what gets me up in the morning lately. Yeah. And I, I love that so much. And here lately, like for me, I've been into, um, like everybody knows, like I craft my own spices and stuff, but here lately I've been making, um, like my own soap, shampoo, lotion, uh, mouthwash, toothpaste, you know, the whole nine yards. And then I started custom crafting different kind of teas. Um, And that's a huge thing, too, because, you know, depending on, you know, like uh, what kind of things that you buy to put in it to, you know, coordinate like pain teas and things like that with different ingredients. Yep. I love that. Yes. And it it is fascinating. I think the more I learn and the more I see and there's some companies that I've discovered and it always leads to the next one. And I'm always willing to look and try any of it, but I really just want to find the best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that I, I, it's not about making, making the most, you know, money with it. I really like, I really get, get excited when someone finds a fix and it's something mm-hmm. super simple. Um, and just finding a replacement, you know, certain things, as you know, you know, just basic medications. That like I oils. Really, you oil. and I talked about oils mm-hmm. before cooking oil. Yeah, cooking oil. Um, my, I'm loving right now the P73. It's oregano. It's oil of wild oregano. Probably the most best kept secret ever mm-hmm. um, in terms of fever reduction. It, it mm-hmm. has been incredible because my daughter was typically the one that I'd have to get the second, third level of antibiotic to make any kind of impact on a fever for her. And literally a few drops of that can just bring it down in an hour fascinating um willow uh white willow bark mm-hmm. um it's god's aspirin it, i'm like who knew that everything that we take now that's commercialized most of them have a source that came from the earth and everything right. you know there's hints all over the way they look the way they you know perform is just exactly how we are designed to to use and consume and to heal ourselves and we've just you know it's been messed up with you know, they found their profit margin by tweaking on it and changing it and bottling it. And, mm-hmm. you know, how did they live thousands of years before we had pharmacy and health? Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that they're afraid of now yeah. is um, people waking up to the fact that they don't need big pharma. Yeah. Um, because, and you're correct about, you know, naturally occurring elements being in medications and stuff. But what they do, they take those naturally occurring elements and then they biosynthesize literally everything. And it toxifies things during, you know, their process of, of, you know, CRISPR Cas9 technology and all that other stuff that they do. But if people start researching and you can get, books um on herbal remedies um i have a great book that i love it's called uh home remedies from a country doctor 
Um, I think I have that one. I love that book. Um, I have another one that's called The Ultimate Guide to Essential Oils um, for people that don't know uh, that there are literally therapeutic grade essential oils to treat everything. Um, And so if more people start looking into those things and even like changing out the oils, changing out sugars to different kinds of sugars, um, things like that, there will be no need for the medical industry whatsoever or the pharmaceutical industry. I mean, you may still need the medical industry if you cut your arm off. Right. Right. I was going to say, you know, broken arms. I I think there is a space for that because, you know, unless you come to me and I'll fix you up. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, I'm telling you, (laughs) Uh, I heard this term recently and, and what they call the, the Kentucky truth summit was fascinating. Mm -hmm. I, um, I think it was a lot of medical staff and doctors and, you know, a lot of the, those that have been censored, um, mm-hmm. even Dr. Brian Cole was there, who is really kind of um, fascinating work and, and has woken a lot of people up. But just sitting in that room, I heard this term, um, hospital. They said eventually that we will get to more like a hospital or people will be coming together with their you know, we have skills and people have good intention and Mm -hmm. they want to help others, but we've been so skewed and it's, you know, with big government and politics and money and consumerism and all that is just all twisted into one. So, you know, you can't just look at your friendly nurse and doctor and think that they're evil. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not that it's just either. I used to be evil when I worked in the medical system. I was evil. Let's put it that way. Because, uh, yeah, I was very doc- indoctrinated when I first started. Yes. But you um, weren't innately evil. You were just doing what you were told. And yeah. Taught. And, and then you- the yeah. more the more that I researched and the more that I read, I was like, oh, my God. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do a different way. And, oh, I got written up so many times for talking to a patient about, you know, dietary changes or about like trigger point therapy or something like that, that, you know, was out of the normal, whatever. They don't like that. They don't like when you mess with their medical circus. (laughs) Right. Right. Isn't that true? And, and I've, I've kind of had to early on, I couldn't process that. And, you know, I, we talked about this the other, you know, a while back, I couldn't process like, why would anyone do that if they've learned that there's a better way or a different way? Mm-hmm. But, but everyone's at a different part of that, that awakening right. journey yep. and, and they, they can't see it. And I think that was the aha moment, even just talking um, to, you know, other people, they, they mm-hmm. kind of have to have that impact moment because there's something in the brain that it just doesn't click right? until something happens. And then you're like, Whoa. And then it truly is. And if you're curious enough and, a lot of times I, I've just viewed people just don't have the time. They mm-hmm. have, they have kind of purposely set our, our lifestyles up for hundreds of years 100%. To, be, to be very busy. So they don't, mm-hmm. you don't have time to pay attention. You, and if it weren't for us, so I said, if it weren't for me starting a home-based business where I had more time to really, you know, feed that urge for knowledge and understanding, mm-hmm. I would have been doing the same thing. Cause I just didn't have time. I, I was the one that took my kids and just let them, you know, and I, I hated it. It was literally, this was it, it, when I think back, um, 
that I always had those nudges, those urges, that tug, that internal guide of saying something's wrong. But mm-hmm. it was I was such a chicken and so busy and wrapped up in my my own life that I would even make my husband take our children to go get their their vaccinations because I just I couldn't do it. I, I mm-hmm. but I didn't stop to research it long enough. And so early on in their childhood. And now that I know things that I know, I have apologized to them. And I'm just, <laughs> I am sorry. Right. But as long mm-hmm. as I live, as long as you're under my roof and you're under my watch, you will never <clears throat> be exposed to certain things ever again. Right. And, uh, you know, and so there's some regret and some things, but I, I just wish I'd done some things different, but it was just, you know, I was busy. I was focused on all the things, you know, mm-hmm. making the money, having the career, doing the things. And I've really learned to, once you slow down and really focus on what matters. And for me, it took took time to understand that. But I wish I could redo some things now that I know. It, but oh. not everyone's innately evil because of it. They're just in the same boat. They're so focused. They rush their kids in or they rush and, you know, I need this. They Everyone wants the quick, the quick fix, the quick pill right. to fix it. And it does take time. There's so much information and so much good information, but Mm -hmm. you really have to dig it all in and dig. And now you dig. Now you really have to dig. So tell me like uh, about the health journey with your daughter. Like what happened with her? Mm. So when she was born, um, I distinctly, she always had these little red, you know, rough patches. Now I know it's eczema, but at the time I just, you know, my son didn't have any issues. My son did have issues, but not an eczema. He had asthma really bad. Mm-hmm. So it's a surprise. I didn't wake up sooner than that. But um, she just was always like itchy, this hot, just ugh, didn't want to be snuggled. And I'm wrapping her up with flame retardant, you know, <laughs> all these crazy things. And she was just a hot, itchy mess all the time. Hives, you know, she would be crawling around and she'd break out in hives. I'm like, what the heck, you know, it's, to the point that I was taking pictures of it and send it to her pediatrician. Cause he's just like, you can't not come in for every single rash. And I didn't want to, but it just got to be the norm. And we'd saw mo- multiple dermatologists and it was, you know, slather her head to toe with unscented um, Vaseline after a cool bath and you got to seal the skin in. And we did all these things. And I said, I remember putting those, those, uh, sleepers on her and she, it was like putting stockings on a rooster it was just like super sticky and she was just mm-hmm. a mess all the time always right. something and what the change was I finally you know I was always looking because they even said that to avoid like nut oils and I don't recall getting her allergy tested early on but it was just a lot and right. I finally was invited to a presentation oh, real quick everything they told you to do did anything ever work? Mm-mm. No, <laughs> no, it didn't work. Sometimes I felt like it would, it would, I thought like it would make it go away for a while, but I realized it wasn't, it was just probably eventually it would heal a bit. It would pop up somewhere else. I mean, she mm-hmm. would, she would bleed and all the little nooks and crannies. Right. She mm-hmm. had these sores where her pacifier would touch and, you know, my pediatrician, God love him. We kept trying to you know, like, Let's try this. Let's try right. D ointment. Let's try desiccant. Let's you know we tried all the things and it was just they were always That's there. All her why patients. they call them practitioners. Yes, <laughs> isn't that true? They're practicing. Yeah, you're a lab rat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. went to multiple dermatologists. Uh, first one went in and you know tested it. She had uh, MRSA. She had MRSA on her cheeks and she had staph infections on her hands. 
And so then we were down the path of steroid cranes over and over and over. And so I was always, um, I was invited to an Arbonne um, presentation, which has been around since the eighties, you know, based out of another country. And this guy created this vegan company. It started out with just a few products, but it's branched into, I think over 400 now. Mm -hmm. So I went and I'd heard it before and I really didn't want to be there, but my friend was a cancer survivor. She was, you know, adamant about clean products and I just liked going. So I went to this party or this presentation and everything she said was the exact opposite. Just like you said, exact opposite. And I was so annoyed. I remember I probably was sitting back like this. I'm like, what a waste of time. Who is this chick? She doesn't have any degrees. She doesn't have any knowledge. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. And I was so irritated. And um, I found, I think I bought, I bought my daughter, I bought Chloe, the, the baby skincare line. And I really kind of argued with her because she talked about petroleum and and I said, this is what multiple doctors, like multiple doctors have been telling me to use this. And you think that you know more than them. So, but I walked out of there, I bought a few things. And I remember when it showed up to my doorstep, I was getting her out of the bathtub and, you know, she hated the routine, but she would do it. She was probably like four or five years old. And I said, we're going to do this in instead, you know, and, and I remember the, the lady saying like, don't, don't use anything else, really give it a shot. Don't mm -hmm. like do both because using bad stuff and good stuff, you're not right. going to see the, the effect. So I said, okay, fair enough. Cause I tried everything else at that point. So we mm -hmm. tried the lotion and I'm not joking in seven days, that kid's skin was like a different world. And I was like, what? Right. Are you kidding me right now? Mm -hmm. So I, I heard her, she was doing another presentation in a different person's house. So I went to this person's house, walked in, it was the same lady. And I'm like, you know, it's like this, the heckler that you, uh, <laughs> so annoyed with sorry it. about that. <laughs> I, I really focused. I said, okay, I'm just really going to listen. I'm not going to be up in my head and judging her, what she's saying, what she's not saying, and just listen. And over time I started, I'm like, well, I'm going to switch out my hand soaps. I'm going to switch out this. I'm going to switch out mm -hmm. that. And, you know, even to this day, people reach out and say, you know, what was that eczema cream that you used, you know, on your daughter? I said, it doesn't matter. You can pick any of the 400 products. It's just that they're clean. Right. You know, and so that was the aha moment that there is no eczema cream. If you get something clean and preferably vegan, not that I'm vegan or even necessarily endorse a, a vegan lifestyle, but right. you don't want the meat oils in mm -hmm. that you can use oils, but all most companies are using the trash oils that are right. that are buy off and, and it's full of, you know, jacked up with pesticides and antibiotics right. and all that stuff. It's in those oils. And then you literally, when you put it on, it absorbs into your skin super fast. Right. So over time I was just buying a lot, buying a lot, like swapping everything else on my household. And I was like, well, shoot, I might as well. And I really just wanted the bigger discount. And that's really what I end up doing is nine or 10 months later, I upgraded to be consultant. And I was just, I was just excited to be able to have a tool in my toolbox. And also mm -hmm. when I heard so many other moms that would say, oh my gosh, my kid has so ex you know, eczema or acne or, you know, just pick a skin mm -hmm. condition. It's all stems from the same source. Right. And, and that was kind of what started me down that path. Not that I really enjoyed, you know, that aspect of it, but mm -hmm. it is a huge need and still is. And it's going to be bigger because now we're, you know, beyond that autoimmune and, so many diseases that we've had that are untreatable 
Mm. I'm not, you I know, don't know if I believe that anymore. This is kind of gross and, and disturbing, but um, a lot of the dermatology products, uh, like for psoriasis or eczema or uh, dry, cracked, bleeding feet or whatever, have horse urine mm -hmm. in them. And, and think about this, okay? What do your kidneys do? Your kidneys detoxify your body and excrete those toxins out of your system, right? Yep. And so what are they doing? They're taking toxins from urine and putting them <laughs> in cream that you're going to slather on your face, slather on your body. Plus they have all the other like carcinogenic, carcinogenic toxins mm -hmm. that they add to them as well for you know uh anti-clumping or you know longevity or blah 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 whatever they do and i'm like does that make any sense whatsoever no now way back in the day my great great grandfather always told my dad like if your hands are cracked and bleeding from work, because that's back in the day where, you know, you like pushed a plow yourself that was made out of wood and whatever. Um, he's like, if your hands are ever cracked and bleeding, just pee on them. And I was like, ew, why? And then they, they like took that in the medical industry and were like, this is a great idea. Let's just put pee in everything. Nothing surprises me anymore. <laughs> and if you sweat on top of having pea cream on, boy, wouldn't you smell tasty. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious. Unreal. Yeah, I did not know that. That's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of gross. And the same thing goes with uh, ladies for makeup, uh, facial creams, uh, overnight repair serums, things like that. You literally have thousands of products on the market that have baby foreskin yeah or placenta in them yeah bovine spinal fluid all mm -hmm. i mean you name it so everything that they've consumed is absorbing in your skin and mm -hmm. and then they wonder why you know we all wonder why like why are we so sick why are we so right. tired why do we have brain fog it, it's all this stuff in our skin, you know, people, I think they just think it's like the outer layering, but it's the most fast delivery system. You think it's about the it, you know, largest organ of your body. Yep. And mm -hmm. you deliver, you think about like acne patches or I'm not acne, um, birth control patches, like all the things that mm -hmm. we just, you know, the, the gel they put on right. in the ER. Testosterone gel. Yeah. It, it, I mean, progesterone cream, mm -hmm. you know, all that absorbs very quickly. It's actually absorbs faster than what you put the food in your mouth mm -hmm. and it gets to that bloodstream. So all that, that toxin load, it just has to deal with that all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it's not meant for us. And then pile on, they've, you know, all our animals been treated with who knows what, mm -hmm. and they're eating grass and vegetation that's got sprayed, who knows what. And, mm -hmm. uh, and all that then is absorbing thousands of things. Right. Um, and it's pretty intense. And most people, if they're relatively healthy, I've learned that, you know, everyone does have a genetic aspect and, but everyone has an inflammation and a, their digestive, it's the threefold. So some people can use the same, they can use the same products and have no issue, 
but if there's a gene involved or something, uh, you know, an allergy involved, it may show up sooner, but everyone's getting exposed mm-hmm. to the same crap. And it may just not present itself until later in life, but you're adding to that load every day, what you're breathing, what you're eating, what you put on your skin, it all matters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and I feel like more so maybe it's, it's coming, it's coming through louder and clearer. I'd recognize it more as the sleep aspect and stress aspect too is mm-hmm. huge, right? Huge for people's health. I mean, if you're not getting eight hours of sleep, I've heard so many people, well, I can get by with six or I can go, you know, on five and then I just need a nap. No, you're, it is a maintenance thing that has to happen in our brain mm-hmm. and our brain controls our body. So if you're not getting eight quality hours of sleep, you're just, you're going down a path that something's going to show up. <laughs> right. And that's, it's so true. It's one of the most important things that you can do um, for your health is mm-hmm. to make sure that you're getting quality sleep. And some people are like, well, what, you know, like I can sleep six hours and, you know, I wake up three times to go to the bathroom. That's not quality sleep. Right. 100%. But there's so, there's so many influences that affect our our sleep habits and our sleep patterns, you know, like how many people go to sleep watching TV, mm-hmm. right? And so you're getting that fake manufactured blue light from your devices, your TV yep. screen, your tablets or, you know, whatever, yep. um, which messes with your brain chemicals, messes with your serotonin, your melatonin. So you're not getting that restful sleep that you need. Um a lot of people will drink cups of coffee mm. before they go to bed. Yeah. yeah I don't know how. The diuretic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Got to get up and pee a hundred times and don't know yeah. why. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, talking about your daughter, uh, one thing that always stood out to me with like the eczema creams and stuff like that, because my daughter had eczema when she was little too. Thank you, vaccinations. Um, so, A lot of them have steroids in it. They tell you never to put steroids on the face Hmm. um, because steroids can make you have facial hair. But a lot of times, like you said, your daughter had, you know, staph and MRSA and whatever. And so they'll, they'll give you a steroid cream, which actually feeds the infection and makes it spread. I'm like, why? What, what? sense does that make right. when you stop and think about that and they're like it's the keywords safe and effective right right so true. yeah but then you know you're you're putting uh steroids on something that may have been just a little bit you know infected with toxins or whatever and then you put the steroid cream on it and it makes it way worse than like full-blown like nasty i've seen like pus coming out of sores and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty horrific. And I'll, I'll just give you even this quick story. So my, my stepdaughter, um, uh, she had kidney and liver issues. She actually, um, had a kidney transplant and a liver transplant when she was a baby. So mm-hmm. years went by and as they expected, you know, she was going to be due for a replacement mm-hmm. and, there was a few years there, there we were dealing with ascites. She had extreme ascites. No one knew what to do with it. She had to, they put in a Denver shunt 
because she would accumulate sometimes eight to 10 liters of fluid in her abdominal area in a week, wow. in a week. It, it, over a course of a year, it was just a little bit, but then over time, every time they drain her, it would be more. So a local doctor had, they used the Denver shunt, which is not typical for that age. She was maybe 11 or 12 at the time that this was going on. But anyway, at the time we were, she was, she was in a workup. They finally found uh, a match to have another kidney put in. And, you know, that takes a long time to do that. And she came to our house. She was, I think, living in Florida at the time and went to bed. And next morning came in my house and her face, I, she wasn't even recognizable. It was so swollen, her neck mm -hmm. and her face. I was like, and, you know, I kind of knew we'd already gone through a lot of things with with Chloe and I was like, okay, what did you do? Did you eat something? Cause that to me looked like more indicative, like a major reaction. Mm -hmm. We went through all, all the things, you know, do we change the laundry detergent? Like just all the things, right. Couldn't figure it out. She had to go in. I had to take her to the hospital. My husband was out of town at the time and they had to give her a blood transfusion. And so that messed up her opportunity for that kidney right. donor. Right. We were devastated because it took over a year at that point to find one. So back to square one, she's still in need of a kidney transplant. Like a week later, she comes in, it happens again. And I said, oh my gosh, what are we doing? You know, and I'm a fanatic at that time. Like we went through details and food and ingredients. And she goes, oh, I know what it is. And I'm like, what? And she went downstairs, she came back up and she had been gifted a bed bath or Bath and Body Works cream. Mm -hmm. And she said the first time it happened, she said, I just, you know, and a face was dry. I just put it on and put it on my face and my hands. And that's what caused the first time. Mm -hmm. And she did it again the night before. To the point she had to have blood transfusions. Now, granted, she didn't have good health and had other issues, but it just goes to show that it stuff's terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's terrible. Well, and that's the thing, like, um, I don't think a lot of people know yeah. um, or understand that, like, our food supply here um, and our medications and, and literally everything here um, is so different than it is in other countries. Correct. Because here, everything is very, very carcinogenic laced, very uh, toxin laced. Uh, everything's petroleum based, you know, there's so many damaging things in all of our, you know, water, food, literally everything here and yeah. other countries, you could get way cleaner products right. because they don't allow it. It's against the law. It's against the law. And, and I, if I remember the stat, it's been a while, but I think that, uh, the EU bans, I think 2,100 or 2,500. I think it's 2,100 chemicals. Um, I've kind of forgot that number offhand. The FDA, not that it matters, but <laughs> they, not really. <laughs> inside joy. Um, yeah. the, the FDA bans, uh, for a while there, it was 11. Mm -hmm. And I think they're up to like 30. Mm -hmm. So tw tw over 2,000 in the EU is banned and we're not even up to 30. Right. And I used to think, oh, we're just behind. Oh, it's just government. Uh, I believe now it's intentional. A hundred percent. Because when when people are sick, they make money. We are the biggest, 
You know, we have mm-hmm. the highest rates of certain diseases, but yet we have the best healthcare in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's funny too, because um, our medical system here that we have now was set up by the Rockefeller and Carnegie foundations right. um, way back in the 19, early 1900, because, you know, there were holistic practitioners, naturopathic practitioners, um, that's what was being taught in the schools about diet and, and whatever. Then they came in, revamped all the medical schools, revamped the medical industry, and it was designed and based around um, dop- dumping um, manufacturing waste. How do we get rid of manufacturing waste? Right. Let's put it in the medications. That's what our pharmaceutical system is based on here. It's petroleum waste, fluoride waste, and all the other uh, excretions from manufacturing waste that goes in our, our medication system. Even our old foods. I'm Mm. um, uh, friends with a chef and he says legit, he sells his restaurant grease. So a lot Mm -hmm. of our skincare products Mm -hmm. have not only all the oils and from the rendering factories, Mm -hmm. um, but also old restaurant grease. So all that is just, it's gross. And a lot of people, you know, you hear people say, Oh, I have really dry skin or I have really oily skin or I have acne prone skin. And was, and you know, you can't tell them because they don't know until they experience what it feels like or they try something new for a couple of days. And then they're like, well, this is not working. I'm like, okay, but you've been using, all these terrible things. It takes a while. You really have to detox. Exactly. Um, and give it time for that switch over, you know, switching mm-hmm. over new deodorants, all those things take time. But when you do switch, no one has dry skin or oily skin or acne prone skin when they mm-hmm. just have good skin. And it's hard, it's hard for them to fathom that my, my daughter's skin is beautiful and she's a teen. And I, you know, I see all these teen girls with tons of acne here. She's mm-hmm. got the most sensitive allergenic skin I've to this day, like there's certain things that even I can use, but it's even not clean enough for her. Right. And, but she has the best skin, but she is very diligent and she knows she can never use hand sanitizer or she can mm-hmm. never use certain things. Um, but it just goes to show how bad everything else is. And mm-hmm. and it is fascinating. That was, I think that was the biggest thing last year is my husband and I seeking out a new doctor and they are out there. Um, you just got to find one that does not comply or does not under the AMA umbrella anymore. Right. It is the best thing ever because you get the best of both worlds. You get their knowledge, but they also have understanding of the holistic right. and they're willing. It's just a, so such a different conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's all boils down to money, corruption and deeper. Oh, a hundred percent. How deep do you want to go? <laughs> it's a very deep well. It's a deep well, right? With no ladder to get out. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> and that's the thing is that um, there's so many people, I think, that want to uh, like know where they can find stuff. Where, where can you look up information and stuff? And this sounds really stupid, But the books that I have that I love the most, I literally bought at a like one of the cheapest places you could ever shop at. I didn't get them at a bookstore. I got them at a discount place. And I was like, you know, my opinion is don't rely on things that are online. 
And the reason being because we were told, right, there's a climate lockdown coming. That's the WEF's next next thing. Um, they've been talking about during this lockdown, you know, the power grids are going to go out, things like that. So if you rely solely on a source that's internet based to do your research, you're going to be screwed. Mm -hmm. Go out and buy books right now before uh, they destroy literally all the books because the book burning thing has been ramping up. Uh, they've been removing books that you, you know, could normally order off of Amazon or, you know, whatever book place you get your books. Um, they've been disappearing. And so go, go to Goodwill, go to a thrift store, go to a bookstore, go to wherever and get that information so that you have that in hand on how to treat and cure things and what you can use herbally at home. I highly suggest people do that like immediately. Immediately. And, and I, I started doing that. Well, I guess really it was just last year. Mm -hmm. And so a very wise woman, I had a conversation with, I'll, I'll um, not use her name, but if you want to know, she is, she is amazing. Her, she was married to someone very high up in the military Mm -hmm. um, he was a very smart man. They've been awake since the early seventies. She even got involved mm -hmm. politically. She's a renowned author and, and, um, editor. And years ago he came resigned from his position, or I, I guess probably retired from his position in the military, but he owned his own law firm. And he said, you know, I'm only gonna, I'm only gonna do cases that further the kingdom. And she was like, what? But she said, he had taught her to read between the lines for many years. And she said, these things are coming. She said, mm -hmm. you know, she said, there's nothing that's going to stop what's coming. It's right. it, this is the plan. She said, really, you only need to know what's in that one book. Mm -hmm. We know what that one is. And so I may started making a point of purchasing physical books. And right. she has saved books and collected books from indigenous populations and yes. all over. She's actually building a massive beautiful um library to mm -hmm. house these books because she says before she passes away she want to make sure that people have access to physical books to find these things mm -hmm. and and so i kind of got on that train of i want to be able to put my hands you know because we see it all the time now right the editing and the censoring mm -hmm. and things like that so right. i agree 100 and i think finding your niche like early on i was all over the place like oh i'm gonna grow herbs you know like and then i've learned I'm like, I should have known better because I cannot grow. A <laughs> Same. Succulent. I cannot grow a succulent. I kid you not. I managed to kill those all during COVID. I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't even I keep my children alive, but not a plant. <laughs> so you kind of got to find your, your niche. And so I've, I've learned like, you know, you just got to find your lane, you find what you're good at and your strengths, mm -hmm. and then you find others. But the one tip she said, she said, only buy from those you can look in the eye from. Right. And hundred percent. what great, you know, we found a, an awesome um, organic farm nearby that's local. We, we, my husband, and I try to diligently only visit local places. We found a mm -hmm. place where he buys, he likes to make homemade beer and wine. She sells honey. She lives within a 50 mile radius. I said, boom, got that. You know, you just got to find right. your sources. Mm -hmm. And it really goes back to that community concept of, 
okay, I may not have to grow something, but someone's going to not care about the information, but they're going to be able to grow cat's claw and cat's nip and right. white willow bark and, you know, mm-hmm. sea moss, like be able to have those sources for health and wellness and really just for mental well-being. You know, I think mm-hmm. it, it's getting back to basics and to the rule concept that I kind of grew up with. And I didn't realize how much I appreciated, but I do now. And, right. And, and <laughs> not, you had the life growing up that everybody wants to have now. <laughs> I know it's exactly right. And at the time I was a kid, so I was, you know, I hated you hated summers. it when you were growing up probably. Right. Yep. Yep. But we lived on horses. We, you know, we lived just like kids out in nature and, mm-hmm. you know, we, I realized now those are the healthiest kids, the ones that are out in nature and playing in the dirt and, yeah. you know, have all the pets and everything. And it does make a big difference, but, um, but yeah, getting those sources and, and just finding better ways. I mean, I, I would love nothing more like that was actually on my list. I have a whole, I have a sticky notes all <laughs> over my wall of things to purchase. And I'm, you know, I, I would love nothing more than to get rid of my stinking smartphone and just mm-hmm. completely be done with it. But, you know, as long as I'm able to serve people in the, right now, same thing with, with social media, I thought I want to get off social media, but I'm still serving people that way. So I feel like as right. long as I'm being pulled and it's not, it's not an idol or addiction for me and it's mm-hmm. not, I kind of hate it. It's a love relationship. Yeah, as long same. as it's there and I can keep my brain straight, then I'll carry on. <laughs> Cause I mean, if it weren't for, if it weren't for Instagram, I would have never met you and I'm finding right more people I connect with now, you know, after last year Mm -hmm. and going through three months of, you know, that horrible awakening feeling that I'm sure many more people are going through when you run down the holes, but then you just find more joy and connection than you ever, ever have had. And Mm -hmm. I think that's been the best part is I'm like, what an amazing time to be alive. (laughs) Right. And see, I'm so, I'm so thankful and appreciative of that and, and connections that I make and people that I meet, even like I had a random encounter last week. I was at the store shopping and I was looking, it's a place I like to go and it's where I get the things to make like my teas and, you know, soaps and stuff. And I'm shopping and this lady just randomly said something to me passing by. And we literally had like a two hour conversation about, you know, uh, herbal remedies and treatments. And, you know, she, she makes herbal makeup and, you know, I have my thing that I do. And so we're like swapping information on where to get other stuff and whatever. And I'm like, I love encounters like that. And I love, talking to people because they'll be like, well, have you ever tried to make, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, I've never heard of that before. What is it? You know? And then we like share information that way. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to try that now. Right. Yeah. Cause me, I'm more of like the hands-on like creator type stuff. And then I have a friend that like makes, I'm not, I'm going to call it medication, but not pharmaceutical medication, right. but she's a, she's a trained biologist. And so she's making like their own, you know, herbal medicines at home. And I'm like, man, I wish you lived really close to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Oh, I've, and it's true. You find so many people. I have a friend that just um, moved to Minnesota. 
I always get, I always get Minnesota. I don't know. Yeah. Minnesota. And, um, she went to a farmer's market and found a source who they make amazing fire cider. Cause I thought, Oh, I'm going to make my own fire cider in this. And then, you know, you taste it and you're like, Oh, I don't know if I love this. And you know me, we have this conversation. You love to cook. I don't. So I would rather know the information and different things, but then find mm -hmm. someone who's really good at this and really good right. at that. Like I thought I want to do bees. And then I'm like, mm, I really want to get, that's like kind of a big thing getting into that. I'd rather mm -hmm. find someone who does it well and, and just figuring out what you're good at and trying right. other people's things. I think that was the other thing is, finding these companies and you try a product, I'm like, well, I could do this on my own or mm -hmm. I could just support her business and buy her tincture for that. And right. You know, this company, I discovered one that they sell the leaves so you can make your own teas, but mm -hmm. they sell like some culinary things, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And they also do tinctures and the raw herb powder. Mm -hmm. So if I have a lot of those. Yeah. So we need to chat some more because I'm always finding something new and I'm like, oh, I'd like to, because I like comparing and trying different things. So, mm -hmm. but it is fascinating and it's exciting because I feel like the past few years, it's, it has really woken up a lot of people, but there's this whole, people are just amazing and creative. And mm -hmm. there's this whole other movement of getting back to grassroots and, and, right. and I love it. I mean, look, ooh, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. It's so <laughs> exciting how people can just figure out a way and right. you know, what makes a champion, you know, you winners figure it out. That's, that's well, what and it's so funny because like when I first got into like doing the teas, mm -hmm. um, you know, like uh, there's so many different people that'll contact me. They'll be like, you know, I'm having this issue or that issue. And so, I'm like, oh, well, I have all the stuff that can fix that. So let's make this. And so I gifted like a box of homemade stuff to a person not too long ago. Oh. And he was like, I was in so much pain and I was sick and I was coughing and whatever. And he's like, I used your tea. And he's like, literally, I was sick for one day. And Amazing. he's like, gone. And I'm like... Yes. <laughs> yeah. so just out of curiosity, what were maybe your top three? Oh my God. I have made so many different ones, but um, the one that he was using was a pain tea mm -hmm. and it has eucalyptus, rosemary, basil. Um, and it's a dandelion uh, root tea base. Um, and then I also put turmeric in it and it, like completely cleared everything up. That's awesome. So, but I, I like to make, because, you know, uh, antioxidants are really important to keep inflammation down and stuff. So um, I like to make mixtures that have uh, like hibiscus or blueberry um, uh, things like that for people who like, you know, like flavored teas Flavor like tea. that. Yeah. Um, but there's other ones that are, you know, there's so many different ones that I've made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love doing it. And I, I love making soap that doesn't have lye. And uh, I've made lotion that like was amazing for me because usually in the winter, I get really dry skin just on my face. Mm -hmm. And I started putting um, like all kinds of like uh, citrusy uh, essential oils in it, cleared 
that right up. Haven't had a problem since. That's amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, I made the mistake of trying to make it because I know dandelion, there's, you can use all three things. You can use mm-hmm. the flower, you can use the root, you can use the leaves, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I decided I was going to, and of course, I am that, that I am that neighbor. <laughs> we live in this high-end neighborhood. Everyone's lawn is perfectly groomed. Not mine, mine's <laughs> dandelions. And I told my husband, I'm like, do not spray. Spray, husband, right. kids are horrified. They're like, mom, just let dad put something. I was like, no. And I'm out there plucking the, mm-hmm. the flower tops off to make it. And I didn't make it right because it was horrific. It smelled like yeah. rotten garbage that I was <laughs> And I was like, ah, I got to I made you some garbage, honey. I love you. <laughs> right. <laughs> promise it, it's good. It, it looks so cool and beautiful. And I was making it until I, I waited. I'm like, okay, surely there's someone can do this better than me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just it is finding your niche because, you know, even even if we're able to delay this process a few more years, I feel like me setting the example for my kids because they will need to know. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You're, you're either going to have to be all in um, one way or opting out and being able to make life your way. Right. And I want them to not ever feel pressured or like they don't have a choice because they can right. say, well, mom did it. We can do it. I don't want to make them feel like, oh, I can't even... I don't even know how to bake bread. And I'm right. at that point, like I have a I set goals. Like I need to teach myself how to get mm-hmm. good at baking bread and just basic things, you know, mm-hmm. so they can learn that. Cause I wish I'd paid more attention. My grandmother was amazing making all the things and, mm-hmm. you know, but I wasn't. Yeah. And about convenience, you know, like everybody's so spoiled with um, electricity and things yeah. like that. So, <clears throat> People need to learn, like, how to dry meat and stuff outside so that you're always going to have that protein source. But if they shut off the electricity, you're not going to be able to cook anything. So you're going to have to learn how to build fire and make stuff outside. Yeah, (laughs) so true. Extra gas tanks, too. If you have a gas grill, get extra gas tanks and keep those on hand. Yeah, I I end up buying a... Uh, kerosene heater even because I figured that would last for a little bit you know especially mm-hmm. in the winter like summer months you can get by with some things better but winter months are tough especially the further north you go mm-hmm. and so little things like buying kerosene heaters stocking up a little bit of kerosene extra gas grill tanks that was a big thing like yep. last summer they were hard to find because there were some people that were buying those and um, <laughs> we may or may not be hoarding some at our house yeah. <laughs> So little things like that, all those are, are helpful. And, Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, again, just finding people that have their, they have their niche, having conversations like real face-to-face conversations with our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I've learned that kind of put me at ease a little bit too, because there were some other people in our neighborhood that are well aware. And some of them have farmland that they Mm -hmm. grow berries and different things. And I'm like, okay, what other things do you need? (laughs) I know exactly where to go for everything. Right, right. Our repertoire, you know. Yeah, um, but then also not living in this crazy fear, which I'm not gonna lie, that's where I was last summer. Then, but mm-hmm. once I got past that, I just feel you know you feel more um, empowered, and you know we're smart right. enough to figure these things out. And I'm gonna find my niche so I can serve someone else in that mm-hmm. way, and hopefully people like you that know how to make homemade soaps or be a source of just books, like you said, mm-hmm. having the right books and tools and understanding. 
100%. And I think it's so important to, um, you know, for peace of mind sake, and I'm not, this is not a fear based thing, but having things that you can make at home that don't require electricity, you know, that are, you know, like, um, you know, whether it's the teas or, you know, whatever tinctures that you can make uh, that don't require any kind of cooking or electricity or, or whatever. And, and stocking up on those things, because those are always a great thing to have in your arsenal. Um, And even like soaps and, and stuff like that, because, you know, at some point in time, you're going to have to clean yourself one way or another. So, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So and then survival, those, there's survival it, classes too that I've seen. I have a friend that her husband, that's his thing. And he teaches like weekend survival classes. And I'm thinking, how cool would that be? And he's doing it right now. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, I see that happening. I'm thinking, hmm, that may be worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And see, I used to, I used to love doing stuff like that when I was younger, like, you know, going and camping in the woods and, you know, all that kind of stuff for a weekend. And now at my age, I'm like, I need a bed. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> if I get down on the ground to sleep on the ground, I probably will not be able to get back up oh in the morning. Yeah. Just saying. Oh, that's, that's great. Oh, that's oh boy. So if you were to leave people with, um, one piece of knowledge or uh, a final thought, what would you say? Oh, goodness. That's loaded, Janet. That's a big question. <laughs> um, I just have to say that um, find, finding your calling and finding your niche, finding where you can serve mm-hmm. and getting, if you're, if you're, new to what's going on in the world, really understanding it, it is worthwhile understanding what we are fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it goes very deep all the yeah, way to the very, that. very pits of the, bo- the bottom. Mm-hmm. But when you get past that moment, it is the most freeing thing you can come across. And it really does for you up to find real purpose for living and serving others. Mm-hmm. And so find, find your lane, find something, you know, don't, don't make it all about just trying to keep your only people. You know, there are so many people with excellent, you know, brains and resources Mm -hmm. and communities and relationships that you can have. So understanding where you fit in all that. Mm -hmm. And um, because at the end of the day, we know, we know the end of the story. And if you do have faith, we do know that there are two powers that be, and one is clearly going to be the winner. Right. So while we're here on this earth, making it worthwhile, find your calling and and just learn to serve and um, love others. And I feel like that's been the most freeing, empowering thing that I have discovered. Really, here I am going on on 50 and I feel like I'm just now starting to feel figured out, which is really exciting. And I'm and I'm glad that I have young children that I can pass that that knowledge on because, you know, I was looking back. It was I was all about me in a lot of ways. I try not to think that I was, but (laughs) in comparison, we all are at one time or another in our lives, very (laughs) self-serving. Yes. And what's, what's the phrase I heard? If, 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 uh, if Satan wants to, you know, he, he won't, he won't, there's a phrase, something Satan will make you busy. Um, 
if he doesn't distract, he'll just make you busy. And that's, and I feel like the busyness, that's where I think even America in general, Mm -hmm. we're so wrapped up and do our stuff and our things and our busyness that we're missing. We're missing a lot of life. And all this has been a blessing to many people. It's scary, Uh but it's, but it's a blessing. And I agree with that. And, you know, I think for so many people too, um, finding other people that can help, walk you through yeah. um, some of the knowledge that's going to be dropped on you uh, at times can be very dark yeah. um, and put you in a, in a vulnerable spot. And so finding people that are not afraid to, to take that journey with you yeah. and help you through that. Um, and speaking to people who have, you know, like lost friends or family members or whatever, because you know, things they don't know, or you question something that, you know, they just automatically believe and have always believed. Um, There's a lot of people in that situation where they feel like they're alone, Uh, but expanding your, your base and expanding the people that you interact with are replacements for those people that, weren't meant to be in your life long-term anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And, and fear is a, is a frequency. And when, when you get, I know it's a whole nother, another whole nother topic, but um, if you get out of that fear space, you can be freed up to do a lot of good and, um, and find people and yeah, Mm -hmm. and get help. I, I think that was the biggest thing is I felt like if, if anyone else out there is going through what I went through for about, two months to three months. Um, it's pretty horrific, but once you get past it, it is a whole new way to think right. and, and live. And, um, so and once people, you know, you can't go backwards. No, you can't. And you, and, and now back, I only met one person that said, I wish I could take it back. I wish I, <laughs> he literally said, I wish I took the blue pill. <laughs> 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 and I like crack up to stay. And I can say that because, uh, Anyways, but fi- finding your people, I always just say, find your people. And that means mm-hmm. a lot of things, but if you know, you know, right. and you want to find your people and then you want to find we're here. My dad used to tell me all the time, we are a mist. We are a mist on this earth it is mm-hmm. a blip. So what is your blip going to look like? What is your, what is your dash, you know, from your death, your birth to your death? What does that dash look and make it worthwhile? Mm-hmm. I wish I had woke up sooner because I feel like, wow, I could have done so many things. But, you know, it is what it is. And it's it was my journey. And I'm so thankful to get to spend time mm-hmm. now teaching my children and, and really, you know, living for what matters. And I think that's right. the biggest thing. And I think to um, listen to the nudges that you're getting. Um, and if you're getting a message that you should you know, use your skills to, you know, build something or help somebody or, you know, whatever the case may be, listen to that because that is a a much higher, um, (laughs) much higher being than we are giving us what our purpose is or what we should be doing at that time. Um, So always listen to that. If you you have a gut instinct that, you know, you should talk to some person that you're passing, talk to them. There's a reason for that. Yep. 100%. So. Miss Lori, I love you so much. And I'm mm-hmm. so 
thankful that you joined me today because you're an amazing person. Uh, you have got the drive inside of you that a lot of people probably wish that they had. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for everything that you do. Um, you are an amazing person and an amazing, beautiful contributor to this world. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And thank you, Janet, for reaching out. I feel like I have an, another dear sister out there. So I'm excited <laughs> oh, to know you. Call, for life. Or stalker. Call your friend. Yes. <laughs> for sure. Well, Miss Lori, thank you so much again. And for me and Miss Lori, I'll see you next time. Have a great one, you guys. Bye-bye.